Welcome to the podcast of Revival Life Church, a spirit-filled multicultural church in Boca Raton, Florida. If you would like more information about Revival Life Church or Pastor Carl Thomas, you can find us on the web at revivallife.church. You ever been bewildered by God? Have you been bewildered by God? If you haven't been bewildered by God, I can't wait to introduce you to him. And um and uh, God, God is God is working on levels that we that we it's hard to, it's hard to get a grip on. God is working on all levels, except he's working on levels you don't know about yet. God, God is working on levels in ways that we don't quite comprehend yet. God is doing things in areas of our lives that we don't even know are important. And God is leading us to places we don't even know we need to go. God is so good, we, we reduce them here in the Pentecostal charismatic world uh, into just God empowers me to do stuff. But God actually is the God who does stuff on his own. God, he, like, he'll do stuff by his own self. Like He, he actually is God. And if I, if, if, you know, when I keep driving this home, that God is good, God is just, God is righteousness, but God is sovereign and God will do whatever he wants to do. Amen. And, 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 and the big challenge in the church today is what is being passed off as the gospel is not actually is the gospel. It's inspirational. It's encouragement, but it's not necessarily glorifying Jesus. And the problem with that is it will get you closer to God, but it will never get you connected to God and the power and the presence and the authority and the vision God has for you. And so here at Revival Life Church, it has been our desire to get people connected to the true nature of Jesus Christ. Let me just say this. I felt like God was starting to do something in some people there during worship. And you may have experienced something emotional. I want to let you know that wasn't you didn't just go see a movie. That was the Holy Ghost of God doing something on the inside of your life. That was the Holy Ghost of God trying to establish something new on the inside of you. And if you experience something in worship, I would say, just like give God about six weeks. Show up to church about six weeks in a row and watch what God plants on the inside of your heart. And watch what he does in the midst of the hardness of your life and brings a breakthrough. Can you say amen? Anybody, can anybody testify that they believe that to be true? Come on, I just believe it to be true. I believe it to be true. Here, 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 the problem with our society is society thinks it knows everything. Society thinks that it can actually give you an identity. I, I, society thinks that it, 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 can, it can define success for you and then conveniently tell you how to get to that success. Here, here's something funny that happened. Uh, many of you know I've talked about this many times, but you know I'm on Ancestry DNA. Anybody else doing the Ancestry? Anybody doing the DNA tests, figuring out where your people come from? You know, there is something on the inside of us that really wonders, where, where do I come from? Where, 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 who do I descend from? And in this message series, we're talking about how we all descend from Abraham spiritually, but in the natural, many people are, 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 are trying to figure out I want to be connected to where I come from. I'm in America, but I'm not necessarily identifying with America. And that's nothing against America. You're like, there's something in me that does not represent the American dream. I want to know where this, where this comes from. And so, you know, I've been on Ancestry DNA, and uh, I've been taking their, you know, found my, my family tree and where my people come from. Got pictures of the boat where that my, my people came over on, which is cool. And what's funny was I got a little, don't put that up yet. We're not, we're not quite there yet. We're not there yet. Appreciate you, Josh. 
So I was on Ancestry uh, this week, and, um, and uh, I was kind of going through some, like, hints. Has anybody been on Ancestry? It gives you these hints of who you're connected to. And you go through these little hints, and every, they kind of trickle, trickle, trickle hint you so that you keep resubscribing to their service. It's funny. My service is about to run out, and then all of a sudden they got some hints for me, right? Like, it's, like I know what you're doing. You're not going to get over on me. But uh, they, 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 they sent me this little message. They're like, hey, we got an idea. You've got some genetic things you might want to look at. And so I got this ad. Go ahead, Josh. Now we're there. And so I get this ad, and it says, hey, discover your origins, his, historical details, and DNA matches. And, and, and so I got that. But then they said, you can add your ancestry DNA traits. You're like, my traits, my DNA traits, that's my, my traits. Like I, can, like, I can send you my DNA, and you can tell me my traits? Like, that sounds so appealing. The only problem is... I already know my traits. I live my traits. That's who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, you're going to pay me to tell me what I'm like? Like, I already know what I'm like. That's not giving me new information. That's not something I need to pay for. If I want to know what, listen, you want to know what you're like? Ask your wife, right? Like, that's that, then you'll get the truth. That's something that DNA will never be able to give you, right? Like, they get some people in your life who are not afraid to tell you the truth about what you do that's annoying, and you will find out your real traits. Amen. Now, I'm on a bit of a roll here about you. Thank you, Josh, about reforming prophetic ministry. And uh, I have revisited what I believe to be God speaking to us today. And, and as I've said before, I've been in meetings where people would call folks out and they would tell them their address and tell them their phone numbers. And I would just be like, wow, that's amazing. And then one day I just thought, um, I, I already know my address. I actually know my phone number. Like, I, why would God from heaven come down to tell me what I already know? Do you know how frustrating that would be? Like, like, that would be, like, could you imagine if you fasted and prayed for 40 days, and then the living God showed up, and he's like, hear me, son. And you're like, yes, Father. And he's like, you live in South Florida. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. Okay, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And you, Carl, yeah, 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 are a man. Oh, of God, of, of power, of the, no, just man. And you're married to Tracy. I know all these things, God. Come on, the demons know this. I, can, you, can you help me out? Understand where I come from. And what has shaped me into who I am today and how you've prepared me for the future. This is what I want to hear from God. Amen. Like this is, this is the story of the Bible. The Bible is written as a story and the majority of the Old Testament is written looking backwards on how we got where we are today, but instead of looking at it through our emotions and our judgments and our sin, looking at it through the lens of God, putting the prophetic lens on how did I get here? And by and large, the prophet looked back and said, most of the problems that you have right now are your fault. And that's why they killed them. 
Because we don't want to blame these things on us. We want to blame it on someone else. We want to blame it on God. We want to blame it on our mommy. We want to blame it on our teacher. We want to blame it on the fact that they took away my little, my little sucker toy when I was you know, 18 months instead of 24 months. And now I've been abandoned. And all of a sudden, it's not my fault that I don't have a job. And I can't have long-term friends. And my life is not going the way it is. But God steps in and says, I actually, there's some things you've been carrying around that I'm trying to get out of you that's gotten you where you are right now. And if you will listen to me, I can bring you to where I have you, but it's going to take a little bit of work. Amen. This is what a real prophetic word looks like. A real prophetic word unearths some things on the inside of you that you didn't know were still active holding you back from what you're called to do. It don't matter what you're called to do if you can't figure out what's keeping you from it. And the majority of the time, if you can get that thing uncovered, God will just lead you right into your call. But we got to put in the hard work to figure out how did I get to where I am right now? And how can I be brave enough to trust God to get me out of this cycle into the new? Because you are stuck in this cycle because it is comforting and familiar. That's a word right there. Hallelujah. Let's get in the Bible. Genesis chapter 17. You say amen. Come on. Genesis chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 1. I'm reading out of the NIV today. It's a little less clunky in this part. It says, when Abram was 99 years old, that's old right there, right? Like, I understand they talk about old people in the Bible. This is when, like, old meant old, right? When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations. I no longer and no longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. Can you say amen to the reading of the word of God? Amen. And amen. You know, we, uh, we, we live in a day and an age where we think we know more than we actually know. We, we, we think we know stuff, but we don't really know stuff. And, and we think we know people, but we don't really know people. Truth is, we hardly know our own selves. Yet we think we know other people. We know what makes them tick. And what I have found is you don't really know somebody until you know their story. It's when you know somebody's story that you can start piecing together why they do what they do, why the things are important in their lives, and why they're motivated the way they are motivated. We judge people today on, on, on a single tweet or a single comment or a single outfit or the coloring of their hair. or We just take a random thing and we put together an entire story about them based not on their story, but based on our story. We view them based on our story and how what they've done would fit into our story. And then we put our unaware identity on them without asking them their story. Similarly, we do it with the Bible. We take one verse and we think that's the whole story. That's the nature of God. We, 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 we take one miracle in our lives or we take one trial and we think that is the sum total of what God is doing in our lives. And we either celebrate or we abandon him based on the one occurrence. This book is the complete, complicated 
story of the creation, fall, redemption, and the restoration of humanity to God. It's a, it's a, it's a complex story. Like, like me, you probably have a very complicated story. You have stories of you being incredibly faithful to God and seeing God do amazing things in your life. And you got some other parts of the story that you hope they leave out of the book. Amen. Amen. There's some other parts that you hope like they just kind of they just kind of go quickly towards through this part of your story. But they slow down on some other parts of your story. Anybody anybody else? I I got some parts of my story. I just want to race. There's parts of my story. I don't even tell folk today. I got, I, got, I, got, I got parts of Carl's BC story that y'all don't even know because I'm just like, it's just too hard to explain that. It's just like, it's just, anybody know what I'm talking about? There's stuff that you don't been through and you're like, I just, I just, I can't even, I can't even explain why I did that lost, <laughs> let alone now as a believer why I would have ever done that. It's just so hard to, to fathom and, uh, and, 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 and this is the story of God. There's, there's some ugly stuff in this book. People did some ugly things, Amen. And I'm not, I'm not, we can't be, we can't be shy about that. We can't be scared of that. We, we, we can't, we can't try to make up stories of why really ugly things happen in this book. Some things that are uh, unrighteous, some things that are unjust. And we can't say that these terrible things happen because God used them for good. Because that is not why they happen. They happen because people are evil without Jesus. And they do evil things. And many times people blame their evil things on God. Come on, y'all don't want to amen me, but that's all right. I'm going to say it anyways. There have been so many people in our history who have been murdered or enslaved in the name of God. And God is like, I ain't had nothing to do with none of that. And if you can't see it in your history, you won't see it in American history. And if you can't see it in American history, you won't be able to see it in society's history. If you don't see it in society's history, you won't understand this book. That it is filled with some broken people doing some dumb things. But God, <laughs> but God, but God stayed faithful to stupid people. And it offends people when I say, man, Abraham, you know, messed up time and again. But God. So here's what I need you to see. Here's what I need you to see. I really need you to see this. As you read this book, God is always the hero of the story. Abraham is not the hero of this story that we're teaching right now as we go through this this story on the life of Abraham. Abraham is not the hero. Sarah is not the hero. Hagar is not the hero. God is the hero of this story. And in spite of everything that Abraham and Sarah, and in spite of what all these people do, God is still faithful to his word in this story. If we could get that into our little brains, we could get a little bit closer to God today. Amen. God made Abraham a, a, a promise. But we see this weird pattern happening in, in Genesis that God comes to Abram and makes him a promise, makes a covenant. But it takes a very long time for it to get established. It takes extremely long for Abraham's covenant to be fully established. And Abram had this problem that he just couldn't believe God. Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever been there like God said, I will establish this covenant. And we like to think like if God said that to me, it would be settled. But we know each of us got promises that still ain't settled in our hearts, that we still keep putting our fingers all over, that we have a hard time trusting that God is going to make it come to pass. And the problem is he didn't believe that God could do the impossible through him. He couldn't believe that God could do the miraculous through him, 
that God's word literally changes everything. The problem here essentially is that Abram had had some encounters with God, but Abram didn't know God. He did not know God. He had had a few choice moments of covenant making and, 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 and promissory words and, and steps of faith, but he didn't actually know God. He didn't know the story of God. He didn't know what God had been doing all along. And he didn't have this history. See, when Tracy and I got married, uh, we kind of knew each other. We didn't know each other that well, actually. It was, we got married in a way I would not encourage any of you. I actually bought her from the Philippines. And, no, no, that's, that's not what happened. That's, that's, that's not what happened. She said, behave. My wife has been called every ethnicity under the earth. And basically, basically, if you don't know what ethnicity she is, like whatever ethnicity you're familiar with, you put that on her. That's like, that's what, that's what people do. So she's got Filipina, she got Dominican, she's black and white. It ain't that complicated, right? Like it's, <laughs> stop being creative. She just mixed. It's just not that creative. It's, it's, people, I'm just trying to explain it, honey. I appreciate that. They mixed. I remember, this is a funny story. I remember we were at a, um, we were at a, uh, with, with some extended family. And uh, there was me, Pastor Tracy, and Isaac was there. Now, I don't know if you noticed, I'm white, right? That's who I am. And uh, I'm Italian, uh, and, and my son is brown, my wife is brown. And we're at this family event, and this, uh, we're trying to say, hey, I'm Carl, this is Tracy, you know, Tracy. And, uh, this, and he's like, okay, this is an older man. He's like, so this is your son? And we're like, yes, it's her son, and it's my son. He's like, wait, it's your son? I'm like, yes, but it's her son. I was like, we got married, and we had a brown son. It's not that complicated. This is how it works. I know this might be outside your paradigm, but this is actually how it worked. And, uh, and people, like, if, if your story doesn't fit within their paradigm, they try to jam you into their paradigm. They try to put you into the mold of people that they understand. They try to make your life fit into what they understand. But the call God has on your life is your call, and it doesn't fit necessarily in other people's calls. And your identity is not based in anybody else's identity other than the Lord Jesus Christ. And people try to get your identity to fit within their identity. And then they get scared if they think that your identity is threatening their identity. As if, if you are free, then somehow I have to change. When the truth is, if you're happy who you are, be who you are. But I'm going to be happy with who I am. And I don't have to code switch. I don't have to talk in a different way. I don't have to dress in a different way. I get to fully be me. And you get to be a better person and accept who I am. Amen. That's a good word right there. I feel like that's a good word right there. But Abram couldn't believe that God could do the possible through him because Abraham did not know God. And this is our culture today. There are so many people who know about God, but they do not know God. You ever talk to these people? Like, they don't know God. Like, they don't actually... I'm, I'm talking church people, and I'm not judgmental. I don't, you know, I don't care what church you go to, but there's church people. They don't actually know God. They know church, but they don't know God. And, uh, and, and you, try to, you, try to, you try to be polite, you try to witness, you try to be friendly, 
and, uh, and, and, and they, don't, they don't get it. They, they, they push back when you start saying that God is challenging you to do something new. That when God is calling you to step out of the boat, when God is, God is um, trying to encourage you to live in a way that's counter to the cultural, they feel threatened because they feel like maybe there's something wrong with them. Now, we know Abraham's name was originally Abram, and Sarah's name was originally Sarai. And, and, and in this, we, we see something prophetic and significant. We, we know the word Abram means uh, the father is exalted, but he didn't know Yahweh. He, he, didn't know, he didn't know our God. And so most likely the gods of Ur, they worship the moon god. And so most likely he was named, you know, his father is, is, is above meaning the moon god. And when God comes, he, uh, he, he starts to, to change some things. Uh, he had some pagan parents, and God had called him out of his family history, had called him out of his family tradition, and his new name, he said, God, now your name is going to be Abraham. And, 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 and this new name reflected how God sees Abraham. This is super important. This is super important. I, I, I don't have a preach on me. I feel like I just need to explain this in a way that it gets in your spirit so it can make some change. You see, what you call things reflects how you see them. <clears throat> it says less about God, how you view God, and it's more about you on how you see God. We see God through our lens and how you see things, what you call things, what you name things reflects what's in your heart about those things. One person comes into a trial and says, God has abandoned me. Another person comes into a trial and says, God has given me a promotion to overcome another obstacle. It depends on how you see that thing, what you name that thing. And the world wants you to adopt its name. There's value in the name. When you have children, I pray that you would pray the Lord would give you a name for that child. God named both of our children. Well, we like to believe that God named them. He spoke to us and uh, he spoke to both of us about our children's name. And, and uh, I, I, it's prophetic what you name things. And, and, uh, and, 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 and I know there's cool names. I know there's cute names, but it's a whole lot better when your name carries your identity. And you prophetic ministers out there, as you call a name over somebody, here's how you know if you really believe your own prophetic word, you start treating them that way. I've seen a whole lot of prophets prophesy a worldwide ministry over someone, say they're going to be an evangelist around the nations, but won't give them a microphone to preach an altar call. Did you prophesy the word of the Lord, or did you just make something up to feel good? Because if the Lord done said that they're an evangelist of the nations, you should be giving them a microphone to have some altar calls. Otherwise, the word you said is not really what you believe they are. I'm just leaving that out there for a second. I'm, I don't want to mess with people. That's... But see, there's value in the name. And, 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 and this, this seeing things through my lens is the, is the carnal mind. In and, 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 um, Galatians, Paul reflects on this story between Abraham having uh, Ishmael and Abraham having Isaac, and he contrasts this work of the flesh and the work of the Spirit. And what I see so much in the church today, and I just I want you to get this in your heart because this is where we're going. What I see in the church today is a lot of people who get 
God's promise and then figure out how we can make it come to pass. I'm, I'm a little tired of hearing sermons on entrepreneurship. Uh, uh, there's good teachings on entrepreneurship, but it ain't the Word of God. It ain't, it ain't, it ain't the gospel of Jesus Christ, and it don't leave room for the, for the, for the miraculous. Now, I, I hope you all are entrepreneurs who are, have an entrepreneurial call. I hope that you're able to believe God for the impossible from, through you. I, I hope that you can uh, learn what's needed to be an entrepreneur, but it ain't the gospel. The gospel isn't that you're so amazing you're going to do something. The gospel is that you fell and God still uses you to do something so amazing that only God can get credit for it. That is the gospel. That is the gospel. And I'm just a little bit tired of this is how you're going to be making money and this is how you get to have... I'm, I'm, I'm like, look, can we talk about Jesus for a minute? The only one who could actually bring God's plan to the earth. I have found Jesus to be better personally. I have, see, it's, it's the carnal mind. It's the carnal mind. I, I done trusted God for a minute, but it didn't work. So now let me figure out how I can get God's plan to come in the past. Let me build a new tower of Babel, but mine will be better than theirs. Mine will actually work. And every single time, it either, either leads to frustration or it leads to idolatry. But it does not lead to Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Hallelujah. The carnal mind. Is, 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 is that enmity with the mind of the Spirit. The mind of the Spirit says, man, God can do exceedingly abundantly. The carnal mind says, I better figure out a plan. Now hear me. I need to, I need to add this addendum. If you don't got a job, get a job. Like, if you believe that God has called you to be an entrepreneur, get a job. Get to working. Get to learn stuff. Get to, get, you better figure out, oh, God's going God's gonna to have me create a big business. Figure out how business works. Because when that anointing hits your life, you better have something to hold it, to contain it, to, to have a container for it to work. You need to work on all that stuff, but then trust God to fill it. We got a bunch of non-vessels. The anointing falls and hits the ground. And that's why we don't see these things prospering. There's nothing to contain the anointing. I, 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 talk, to, I talk to people. They're like, I just feel called to be a worship leader. And I feel like the Lord told me. I'm like, can you sing? You might want to take some singing lessons. Because it's supposed to be a sweet sound. My, Michael David this morning, he, he, he was good, right? On the keyboard. Anointed, right? He has a degree in music composition. God can work with that. That's something God can work with. But you show up, uh, you know, I'm going to be a music producer. And you show up in the studio and you don't know nothing about music composition. It's not going to work. You better be able to play all the instruments yourself because professional musicians aren't going to work with you. Does this make sense? Does this make sense to anybody? I feel called to preach. Well, you better take some Bible classes. You better learn the Bible. You better figure out what this thing means. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't mean to go down that road. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Let, let, let's, look at, let's look at verse 1 one more time. I, I want to I I I go somewhere here. Almost done with my introduction here. It's a long introduction, a short message, though. Are we good? Are we still friends? All right. Verse 1. Here's what's, here's what's so important. Here's what's so important. Verse 1. When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, we know earlier when we talked last week, uh, God had been called, he called himself, or Abram referred to him as uh, uh, Yahweh El Elyon. Remember that? 
We talked, actually it was two weeks ago, Yahweh El Elyon, which means God Most High. Now here's what's important about this. Abram was named after the high God at the moon. El Elyon is Most High. Like whatever, whatever your God is high, no, my God's higher, right? Like whatever, you can, the Most High. How high? Most. My God's pretty high. How high is your God? Most. That means there's none more, right? He's the God most high, right? And, and, and so we see these names, like God is constantly trying to destroy the idols in our life. He is con- like, he, like the number one thing he wants to do is the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. They're the first commandment, you shall worship the Lord your God. You shall have no gods before him. Like this is the number one thing God is trying to do in our lives, that we would run the idolatry out of our lives by trusting the one true God and how he's revealed himself through the Lord Jesus Christ, right? This is what he's trying to do. And so in here, it says, when Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. That, that God Almighty is um, Jehovah El Shaddai. El Shaddai, the Almighty. Like, if there's any power at all, I got it. That's the God who's like, there are some mighty things in the world, but I am almighty. I don't have a power. I got all the power. You're worshiping gods over fertility and over crops. I have all the power over everything. He's literally telling Abraham, there is no reason to worship any other god for anything. There is nothing that you need that I do not contain. I am the Lord God Almighty. And here's why this is important. This is how God starts the conversation with Abraham. God is letting Abraham know, guess what? You are not naming me in this situation. I'm not coming to meet your need. I'm not coming here to make you feel a little better about yourself. I'm not just here as an encourager. I am showing up letting you know what my name is. And my name is the name that's above every name. I am the God above every God. I am the power above every power. I am the all mighty one and I am now here talking to you today it's kind of like God saying do you know who I am (laughs) Do, do, do you know who I am and there's no I don't care right because he has come with the cloud of witness he's come with the angel of the Lord he has come in power he is El Shaddai the all-powerful God not just a mere man and what's important about this encounter here in Genesis chapter 17 the last time that Abram had heard from God was 13 years ago right 13 years earlier God had promised a covenant to him and if you, if, you, if you remember the story, God had encountered Abram, and Abram could not believe that he would have this inheritance and that he would have a child because Sarah was barren in her womb. And the whole challenge here is, how can the barren womb of Sarah birth the promise of God? How can the barren womb of Sarah birth salvation, birth a new creation, birth a new covenant. How is it possible? It was beyond Sarah and Abram's mind how that would be possible. And what they did is what so many of us do. We begin taking it into our own hands. And, and then we, we see here in, 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 in Genesis chapter 15 and 16 some very disturbing stories. We hear this uh, story of this slave girl 
that Sarah had named Haggai and um, excuse me Hagar, and uh, he goes to he has Hagar uh, has Sarah has Hagar. Um, uh, let me rephrase this: has Abram rape Hagar to have a baby because Sarah couldn't have a baby? And literally, they take God's plan into their own hands. And I don't I don't want to be vulgar here, and I don't want to be too offensive. But so often we rape this world to try to get what we want that we think God has for us. And it produces a bastard every time. Oh, look at me producing God's plan. And like, no, no, no. And, and I talked about this in June 2020. If you want to look it up, I, I go deep into the cultural implications of this African slave girl who got raped in order to bring God's plan into uh, fruition. I, I talk about it in depth. Uh, I'm going to kind of fly by it now, but go into that. I think it was good. I made a bunch of enemies with that message. I feel good about it. <clears throat> feel good about it. Something very fulfilling and challenging people's privilege. <laughs> Brings a warmth to my heart. <clears throat> Don't win friends and influence people, but Jesus' name is exalted. But, but, amen. But, but Sarah, Sarah told Abram to, to go into this slave girl and have a child. And Hagar got pregnant. And, um, and, 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 and here's what, man, I'm going to take a little side note here for a second. I'm going to talk about our culture. Um, so, so Sarah wanted the baby. And back then, you could have a slave that would bear a child or a slave would nurse a child. But th- th- this, they didn't treat Hagar as a, as a person. Hagar was just a womb that they were using. They wouldn't even identify her personhood. They couldn't even respect her personhood, right? And, and, and what they do is they brought this, this third person into their relationship and had a baby. And as soon as Hagar got pregnant, Sarah, Sarah started feeling some type of way, right? So now there's this, this relationship, and I'm, 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 I'm going to speak a little bit vulgar at the moment, so... Cover your ears if you would. I'm on social media. I'm on TikTok. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very active on TikTok because I got things to say. And uh, I, 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 that's, that's where I vent, right? So you can find me on TikTok. Carl does stuff. I vent about some issues, right? And um, if you're on TikTok, you're going to see stuff you don't really want to see. You're going to see some stuff you don't really want to see. Well, you know, and, and you're like, you, you flip through and you're like, man, y'all living foul. Like, that's, y'all just live in foul. And now um, what they do is they find the things that are appealing to folks and they talk about it because it gets some clicks and it makes you think that people are actually doing this stuff. Remember middle school and everybody's lying about their activities? Dudes would talk about all the girls are getting and ain't none of them would get nothing, right? It was, you just as lonely as I am, Right? But they're just lying. But everybody's lying, so you don't know that anybody's lying. You think you're the only one who's lonely. But everybody's lonely. They just can't admit it, right? And so on social media, there's a lot of talk here. I just got to speak as a pastor. There's a lot of talk about swinging. Like, and it's, I'm just like, y'all are foul, right? Like, y'all are just foul. But here's what I have learned in my years of pastoral counseling and, and, and my wife as a professional therapist what, what you will notice is uh, the devil will trick you into bringing someone else into that relationship and it never turns out how you hope it's going to turn out. You violate that covenant that you make, nothing good happens. Nothing good happens. It's right here in the Bible. Oh, it's okay. We'll just do this little thing with this third party. It'll be a good time and we'll have a baby. And all of a sudden, Sarah's got some type of feelings like, I got this evidence that my man was not faithful all along. Don't fall into this trap, people. 
The devil is a liar. Am I making you uncomfortable? I'm okay. But like, if you're like, what in the world is my pastor talking about right now? Trust me that I know what I'm talking about. It's getting popular and it's a lie from the devil. Like, just like you go wait. Just, just if you need to look outside, stop looking outside. That's the problem. The problem, you've been looking around too much, right? You get dissatisfied with what you got because you're lusting over something else. It's right there in the Ten Commandments. Quit coveting. Just stop looking at other stuff. Be happy with what you got. God will increase it. I'll just leave it out there. I don't care. Be faithful. So Sarah got really mad and she started, she started beating on Hagar. Basically what the Bible says. Starts beating on Hagar and Hagar was like, I don't really need this in my life. But she's a slave and she runs away. And so Hagar runs away and the Lord shows up to her. Now, I, I, like, I, I'm, bel- I'm beleaguering this point, but it's an important point to make. Hagar is a slave. She is a a woman of African descent who is enslaved by these people from Ur. And um, she runs away understanding what that could mean for her life. And God shows up to this runaway African woman who's been raped and does not like how she's being treated. And God shows up to her. And God starts giving her promises. She's like, hey, I see you're pregnant, but I want to let you know you're going to have a son. And his life is going to be good, and he's going to be a leader. Now, there's some racist interpretations of this whole scripture. Don't believe them, right? Don't, oh, the Muslims today are the descendants of these people. And they're, they're just stop that. Just read the story, right? The story is about there's some marginalized people that God had put his anointing on. That's the story. Right? That, that, that's, don't, don't take away from what God can do. And so he said, your son's going to prosper and, um, and, and your boy is going to be good. And the Bible says in Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, he says, she gave God this name. She gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That's, that's literally Jehovah El Roy. You are the God who sees. And I want to tell you two things today. God sees you. You may feel alone. You may feel sidelined. You may feel that God does not know where you're at, but God is still Jehovah El Roy. He sees you. The second thing I want you to see that here is this African slave woman being beaten by her masters. And God tells her, you're going to call yourself You're going to call your son Ishmael. I'm going to name your boy. And then she says to God, you're going to name my boy. I'm going to name you the God who sees. She is the only person in the Bible who named God. The least of these, the most marginalized among us, were enabled to name God. Imagine God, creator of heaven and earth, allowing the least of these to name him. This is a foreshadowing of our Savior who came for the marginalized, the hurting, the broken, those who are at the bottom. This is why he shows up in hospital rooms. It's why he shows up in prisons. It's why he shows up in halfway houses. This is who God loves to rescue. The marginalized, the broken, the hurting, the sad, the depressed, the poor. And if you are in a place today of confusion, you are perfectly situated for a breakthrough from God. Come on, somebody. I feel like that's a good word. Come on. Just just thank God for a second that he sees you. I mean, just thank him for a second. He sees you in the midst of your trials. 
This is not metaphorical. He sees you right where you are at. I'm here to tell you, sometimes you find your greatest blessing in your deepest darkest. You will find your greatest blessing in your deepest darkness. She was low. And the Bible says God showed up in her sorrow. Watch this, verse 14 of the same chapter. It says, this is why the well was called Bir Lacharoi. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Well, well why, why would they put that? When you're reading the Old Testament, when they don't transliterate, it's for a reason. And so this, this Bir Lacharoi, it, it, literally, it, 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 it literally means this, this is prophetic significance and it means this is this is the well that I've named after God sees here's what I want you to get from this for your life we 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 need to create we need to understand we need to value the secret place where God comes and sets things in order in our lives, the, the place of encounter. Let me say it another way. There are wells in your life. And when you are at those wells, there's a deep, deep source of God's revelation for you. And we go to those places and we enjoy them and we leave them. We don't set them up as a memorial and we get happy clappy and we move along. And God today, I believe, is encouraging some of us to come back to the well of revelation, the place that we know God sees us. That, 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 that maybe you got a prayer closet you used to visit. Maybe there was a, a place that you used to worship God. Maybe, 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 maybe there was a scripture that God would always talk to you through. And this is this well of of God sees me that God is calling you back to today to receive revelation so he can speak into your life. Can you say amen? I feel like this is a better word than you're talking back to me. I feel like God is doing something in hearts and I want you to be part of it and receive it today. You got to know where this well is and you have to guard it and you got to visit it regularly. You got to build this altar and set up this memorial and say, I'm going to protect this thing with everything I own because it is the most precious thing you own. The place of God's presence. There is nothing in your life that's more valuable. And just like that well, it is the source of life for you. You have to set up a memorial and visit it regularly and say, this is where God encounters me. John 17, 3 says, this is eternal life that they may know you, the one true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This place where you know God, this is where your life will get set in order. This is where God will bring his life from heaven into your life. You say amen. amen. You know, here's what I found. Faith isn't easy. Faith is not easy. It's, it preaches easy. It, it preaches encouraging. But actually, living faith is hard. Because living faith says, I'm not going to do the things that I think I'm supposed to do. I'm going to do the things God told me to do. I want to do the things that make sense. I want to do the thing that I plan to do. But God has told me to do something else. And I have found the most difficult thing God tells us to do is sit and wait. <laughs> Ain't that the hardest? Just sit and wait. You go to God and you're like, God, what's going to happen? He's like, you're going to be all right. I mean, before that, though, God, before that, what exactly is going to happen? How do we get to all right? Can we just back up a little bit? He's just like, you're going to be all right. Can you tell me how to get to all right? Can you, can you? My wife likes to say, you know, I like to go with the flow. 
Just tell me when the flow happens and when, 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 when the flow is going to show up. Can you tell me what the signs of the flow is and, and what exactly how we track the flow? Can we get ready for the flow? Can we organize the time of the flow? And God's like, just go with the flow. I'm like, I, I just would like a little bit more than that because faith, faith is hard. Faith in God is, 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 is not easy. It, it calls for persistence, which is against common sense. It's, it's us doing what God told us to do, even though it's not working. Come on, somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching truth right now. It calls believing in a gift of God, which nothing that we know can confirm. It's, it's, it's just like we get a new name from God. It's a new way of looking at things. Faith is getting saturated with God's goodness and taking out into the world this unbelieving world and telling them there is hope. And they're like, well, what is my hope? And you're like, it's Jesus. And they're like, well, how's that going to help me? And you're like, I don't exactly know, but I know it's going to help because God has a plan. And this faith is what unlocks. It is, it is the working out of God's words for us. But faith is, is, is like Three-part excitement and 97% perseverance. It, it is, it is just, just, just standing on God's word until the suddenly. Abraham didn't know this yet. So Abraham got promised a son and he's like, well, I waited a little bit. Let me go ahead and work this out for God. Let me help God out just a little bit. None of us do that, right? Just want to help God out a little bit. Anybody, come on, somebody, talk back to me. We don't do that. Let me just help God out a little bit. I got a plan how I can make this come to pass. I can. God's got a plan, and it's different than your plan. God's got a plan, and it's, and it's, it's, it's going to work. God actually knows what he's, what he's doing. Abraham didn't know God. He didn't know God was Yahweh, El Shaddai. God Almighty. See, that takes time. My friend Chris Green, he says, um, the love of God is, is, is unpredictably creative. Unpredictably creative. His love is just so amazing and so overwhelming and so all-encompassing, but it works in ways that don't work the way we work. They don't think the way we think. You may have said to God one time, well, you say you're a good father. I'm a good father and I would do things this way. And God's like, but I'm the God almighty. You only partially mighty. Here's what Chris Green said. God is faithful, but he is unpredictably faithful. Let that sink in. He is faithful, but he is unpredictably faithful. I have Plotted out what God's going to do in my life many times. And he's almost never done it the way he's told me he's going to do it. He is faithful, but he is unpredictably faithful. In Genesis 17, 5, he says, No longer shall your name be Abram. Your name shall be Abraham. For I have made you the father of a multitude of nations. Now, I want you to think about this. Here we got, here we got, we got Abram. Now called Abraham, we got Sarai, now called Sarah. And we got their bastard child running around from their slave. And God didn't change their name. God ever told you something about you you didn't believe? 
God ever called you to something you didn't know how it was going to be? And you just kind of tuck it away in your heart. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You might have told your best friend, but you don't want people to know what you really believe God for. Come on, somebody. You ever like, you didn't really tell God what you believe? You don't really tell people one day I'm going to travel the world and I'm going to preach the stadiums. You don't want to tell people that, right? Because that feels a little presumptuous. You just want to hide it in your heart. I'm going to be rich and own a, own a record label. I'm going to be, I'm, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a, a, a business that's going to have, have branches all over the country. Like God unspoken to me, but you hide it in your heart. God's like, let me tell you who you really are, Abram. You think, you, think, you think you're under the moon, God, but let me tell you who you are. You are really father of many nations. You're really father of many nations. And so now Sarah got a choice. What am I going to call my husband? <laughs> what? Like, Because everybody knows we're old as dirt, and we got one little slave boy. That's all we got. Like, they just crusty. Right? And, 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 and he got a promise of all these children, but ain't nothing but dust coming off of him, right? When he walks around, they just old. And so here they are, just living in the land, got neighbors, and they hear Sarah yelling, Father of many nations, come home. They're like, Who that? Who that? Hey, you under the moon God, do you know who he's talking about? Father of many nations. Um, yeah, that's, that's, um, that's me. What you talking about? That's you. You got that one little kid over there, and, and, and your baby mama don't even like your wife. Come on. And then you got all this baby mama drama, and you the father of many nations. Come on, be real. Why, why, maybe you just call you Abe. Maybe she can shorten it a little bit. Just call you Hammy or something like that, because this don't make no kind of sense. Who's going to give you a nickname? Father of many nations. Yes, princess of, of kingdoms. Yes. <laughs> I'm coming home now. See, we got this thing we got to wrestle with. Are we going to believe what God calls us? I'm telling you, like, like Ancestry DNA wants to, wants to tell you who you are and what your traits are. But God knows something better than what your DNA says. God knows something better than what your family says you are. God knows something better than what your situation says you are. What your lineage is. God has a real name for you. Stored up in the secret place. That he wants to speak over you. That he wants to be part of your identity. He wants to change it right now. But you're only going to find it. In the secret place. If I could have the worship team calling up. God knows who you really are. I want you to hear this. God knows who he created. God knows who he created. We, we keep limiting God. I hope you get this in you right now. I hope you get this in you. God knows who he sent. God knows who he created. He knows where you come from. And he knows who he sent. I got a question for you right now. Are you ready? Are you ready? God knows who he sent. Do you? When God spoke to you and said you were going to accomplish what he told you to accomplish, he knows who he sent. Do you? But God, I, 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 I. But God, I come from broke. God, I come from hood. God, I, I, I don't know how to do all this. God knows who he sent. Remember middle school, like I said, trying to fit in with everybody else? Like who you were wasn't good enough, so you're trying to fit in with everybody else? Like you just trying to figure out your identity? 
oh, these girls are popular. I'm going to do like they do. Oh, these dudes are the, are the are, 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 look like they got it together. I'm going to be like them. Or, oh, I don't think I can be like them. So I'm going to make up an identity like I don't want to be like them, even though I really do, but I don't think I can. So I got to be the people who don't like them because I can't be like them. But your identity is always based off of somebody else. And we come into the kingdom. And we see somebody doing something we want to be doing. And we try to be like them. Because who I am ain't good enough. Who I am isn't qualified to do what God has called me to do. I'm, 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 I'm not a young man these days. And I'm only getting older. But I'm only getting better. Amen. And if I'm learning anything in this season of my life, it's to strip away the nonsense and be the man God called me to be. I tell you, there is a peace that passes understanding when you find out who God really called you to be and you know who's going to reject you because you let that person out and you know the cost you're going to pay because you call out things God has called you to call out and you're able to stand up and say, here I am, love it or leave it, but I'm going to be the man God called me to be. I'm going to be the Carl Thomas from Delray. I'm going to call out the things God has called me to be. I'll be a prophetic voice for South Florida. I will speak the righteousness of God and you can get with me or you can get behind me, but you don't get to decide who I am because I have a covenant with God and he has already defined me. He's already given me a name. I'm here to let you know if you have not found out who you are in Christ Jesus, it is time to put that at the top of your prayer list and then begin right now to identify with that person and say, I am going to be true to who I am. Can you say amen? That's a good word right there. That's a good word right there. I paid for that word over about 30 years of my life and I I refuse to be somebody else. I refuse to let idolatry define who I'm going to be. I refuse to let somebody else's ego define who I'm going to be. I refuse to let somebody's uh, insecurities define who I'm going to be. I'm going to be the man God called me to be. And when you are who you're called to be, God will bring the people who are supposed to be attached to who you are supposed to be alongside you to carry the vision that God has called you to carry. Because you are not anointed to carry the vision of those you idolize. Oh, this is, I feel this is, I'm, I'm prophesying right now. This is the prophetic word of the Lord for some folk right now. And it's going to cut deep, but it's going to be good. It's going to cut deep, but it's going to be good. We ain't never left middle school. That's the problem. We're still looking at who we're supposed to be like. Because God don't know who he called, apparently. We look at casting away the sins of the world as like, I got to stop looking at pornography and I got I to stop using bad language. And Yes, but that's secondary to dropping the false identity that you allowed the world to put on you. The name that you have been calling yourself all this time is not who you are. Chelsea, I feel the anointing in this room right now. God is putting identity on some women right now. I'm telling you, I, I, I got a word for you, ladies. You are enough. 
my, my, my. You are enough. God knows who he called. You are enough. Come on. You are enough. God likes the hair he gives us. I think God likes the lips he gave you. He likes the butt he gave you. You don't got to trade it in. Now, he didn't give me this gut. That was me. I got to deal with that. I like to pray that away, but yeah, that was a DIY right there. That was a that's a work of the flesh. That wasn't a work of the spirit. But as we march forward, we're we're in this Abraham series for a reason. And I'm going long as uh, Methuselah right now, but it is what it is. <laughs> this is this whole message series is about giving us a vision for the future. Everybody wants to fit in and everybody's looking for your click. Let me tell you what, you'll find your click in the secret place. You'll find your tribe in the secret place. God is waiting for you there. God is waiting for you in the secret place so he could say, hey, you thought your name was this. You thought your name was. You better be scared you're going to die broke. But your name is really prosperous. (laughs) You're going to think your name is... Oh, you, you got straight hair, but everybody cool got curly hair. But God says, I made straight hair because I love it. I'm prophesying myself right now. You're going to find out your name is not, you, 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 the, the relationship failed. The re, your name is, I'm in a relationship with you eternally. This, this, this like, God's going to change some of our names. Your name is not... You, you were born with some sort of birth problem, mental problem. Your name, you're, you were born unique with a special purpose. Well, tell somebody, God got a name for me. Turn to somebody and tell them, God got a name for me. Tell them, God got a name for me. And it's truth. It's truth. I'm telling you, I'll preach this gospel in a parking lot. If I have to, I'll preach it in my living room. Carl is officially done worrying about what they think. I hope you join me. Here's what Jesus said. When you pray, go into your room. Close the door. I think that was for people like me and Duke who scream a lot in prayer. I think that was just like, stop annoying your family. It's only spiritual for you. But when you pray, go into the room and pray to your father who is unseen. Watch this. Watch this. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, our God sees. Our God sees. And I'm here to tell you, if you prioritize this secret place with God, you will see his promises come to pass 
in your life. I'm going to say it again. If you prioritize a secret place with God, you will see His promises come to pass in your life. I'm going to read Psalm 91 over you. Stand with me if you would. I just feel this in my spirit. We good? All right, we good. You ready? I'm going to pray this over you. You have it, Josh, by any chance? All of Psalm 91. Just put it up. Listen, if you've been a Christ follower, read the Bible more. If you're new to following Christ, read the Bible. Start in Psalms. Start in the book of Luke. If you're a Christ follower, read it more. Psalm 91. Whoever dwells in the secret, whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You'll rest in the shower of the All-Powerful One. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers. Listen, this is who He is in your life. He will cover you with His feathers and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart. You will not fear the terror of night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only observe with your eyes and see the punishment of the wicked. If you say the Lord is my refuge and you make the most high your dwelling, no harm will overtake you. No disaster will come near your tent for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot on a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the great lion and the serpent because he loves me, says the Lord. I will rescue him. I will protect him from the for, for he acknowledges my name. He will call on me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him with long life. I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Can you say amen? Come on, say amen. Come on, say amen. Do you feel unsatisfied in your life? The Lord is calling you to the secret place where he has promised you satisfaction. You may not feel this right now. And again, I'm going even longer than Methuselah now. But I feel we're standing on holy ground right here. I feel we're standing on holy ground. And I feel like God is doing something right here in our midst that is deep and everlasting that you will do for other people. But I feel like there's at least one person in the room you need to give your life to Jesus. Maybe it's time to drop your old identity and let Jesus come and give you who you really are. You are not how much weight you can lift or how fast you can run or how full your figure gets or how many likes you get. or like That is not who you are. You are created in the image of God. We 
And if you're in this room today, you want to give your life to Jesus, I want to say a prayer. You're going to say it with me. And we're all going to say it together because we don't want to single anybody out. After that, we're going to be in the lobby and just ask somebody, you know, if you're a visitor, you can fill out a connection card. There's a little spot that says, I received Jesus today. We'll send you some stuff, talk about how to walk with him. But we're going to pray this together. Say, Jesus. Everybody out loud, Jesus. I'm ready to give my life to you. Come. Speak to me. Say my name. Because I say your name is Savior. Wash me clean from my sin. And I'll follow after you. Thank you for being my Savior. Thank you for dying on a cross for my sin. Thank you for going to the grave. And thank you for being born again. And rising up into heaven. Where you're praying for me right now. And I'm ready. For your return. And to live in eternity with you. Fill me with your spirit. And give me power to be a witness. And I'll worship you all the days of my life. In Jesus name. Everybody said. Amen. Come on give a clap out for the Lord. Come on, give a clap out for the Lord. Give a clap out for the Lord. We love you, Lord Jesus. I was going to have them sing a song, but I feel like we're done. You sang so beautifully. Let me pray a blessing over you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we love you today. Keep playing. Father, we love you. We declare a blessing over these people today. I pray, Lord, that they would find themselves in the secret place encountering you. I pray that you would speak to them through the word. You're right. We need to sing that. You're right. You're right. Let's just sing that real quick. You're right. I tell you what, when we go live with this church, we're going to have all this figured out, man. This is going to be amazing. Let's do it. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won, I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place. If you need me to lay hands on you, I feel like God's going to do something in your life. Just come on forward. 
and he's going to play a little bit, and I just want to bless you. We'll have, um, we're going to have uh, some connection people in the lobby, but if you give your life to Jesus, I want to pray for you, and if you just want a, a dose of faith, I want to pray for you, and um, actually, if you can sing that one more time, that'd be great. We're going to lay hands on people, and God is going to touch people. Amen? Amen. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you've won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly so hard to see it took me so long to believe it that you choose someone like me to carry your victory I've tried so hard to see it took me so long to that you choose someone like me to carry your victory. You are my champion. Giants fall when you stand undefeated. Every battle you won. I am who you say I am. You crown me with confidence. I am seated in the heavenly place, undefeated with the one who has conquered it all. I've tried so hard to see it. Took me so long to that you choose someone like me to carry your victory. Perfection could never earn it. You give what we don't deserve and you take the broken things and raise them to glory. Yeah. 
accepted by the one who has conquered it all.